Hi, everybody. Before we get into this podcast, just a quick note to tell you that the episode you are listening to has been edited from the original one that we posted. Uh, we got a lot of feedback from people about our discussion of inclusion of LGBTQ folks uh, that made it clear that we'd done a poor job of communicating what we were trying to say in that section. So we decided to give it a second try. The rest of the episode is the same as the one we posted originally, so feel free to jump ahead to that point if you have already listened and would like to hear the new version. With that said, back to the show. Hi, I'm Curtis. And I'm Meredith, and it is one of my very favorite times of year. Because we're only about two months away from the snow belting? No, it's Girl Scout cookie time. This is the launch pod for Pomona Valley Church. Our kids take swim lessons each week, and last week their lovely college-aged women at the front desk had their boxes of Girl Scout cookies out, and I completely forgot the swim-related question I had gone to ask them because of the presence of the boxes, because my own cookies had not been delivered yet, and this made me seriously concerned that perhaps my cookie delivery was being waylaid in some significant way or that my cookies may have been lost. Thankfully, Last night, my boxes of Girl Scout cookies arrived. I love Girl Scout cookies. So we got the Thin Mints in the freezer. We're all set for at least the next, I don't know, three days? Maybe. Yeah. Last time on the Launch Pod, we started unpacking what we mean when we say our values are sacrifice, openness, relationship, authenticity, and diversity. We touched on those first four, which were fairly uncontroversial. Most people are good with relationship. But today, we want to get to the last one, which is... Not uncontroversial. Yes, and that's why we wanted to talk through these values, so that we could be sure to talk about them with some nuance and some space to explain what we're meaning and what we aren't meaning. And so today we turn to our final value, diversity. But before we do that, it's time for Meredith's favorite recurring segment, because it's our only recurring segment, What Curtis Read This Week. All right. Now, as a major departure from last week in tone, to say the least, the thing I read this week that stuck with me the most was a really gut-wrenching story about the positive implications of a $15 minimum wage on people's lives. And this is going to be one of those things that some people might react to with a, oh, they're getting political kind of reaction, but I'm not really wanting to come at it that way. Instead, I thought the article highlighted in a really moving way I, I was I was tearing up on a couple of occasions reading it. It highlighted the reality of life for a person who is making the federal minimum wage of seven or eight dollars an hour as compared to that same person's experience when their wage jumps to fifteen dollars an hour. As just one example, the story starts with a man who was working multiple jobs, sixteen hours a day whenever he could, then sleeping and doing it all over again, trying to make ends meet living with several other family members, and his nephew told him one day that he was saving up his money. And the man asked him why, and the nephew said, because I want to buy one hour of playtime with you. How much for an hour of your time? And I think it's probably heartbreaking for most of us to imagine having someone we love say something like that to us, to feel like we have no way of fixing it. I think we sometimes think of stories like that in connection to hard-driving lawyers and workaholic CEOs or something like that. But when you're making $7 an hour, let's, just speaking practically, you would have to work 100 hours a week just to get to $35,000 a year, which is, I guess, enough to live on in some parts of the country, but not really enough to support a family most anywhere. And then, as anyone who has worked hourly knows... 
When you don't work, you don't get paid. There's no paid sick time or vacation time that, that's always hanging over your head. And there's no choosing a balance of work and play and family. So what's happening is when we put people in that sort of work situation, we are saying, in effect, you need to only work all the time just to survive. And I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's what God envisions for any of us. Work hard, absolutely, but in a way that's joyful and sustainable, where there's a rhythm of work and rest and play. And that is almost literally impossible on $7 an hour. And I know the economics of a minimum wage are complicated with lots of unintended consequences, but this article felt important because it puts some real faces to what can become just an abstract policy debate. It highlights the basic human dignities that aren't available to someone making such a low wage and the massive social goods that come when people have the ability to support themselves with their own hard work and to support a family, not only financially, but to support them emotionally and relationally as well. So I thought it was a tough read, but a really important one and a hopeful one as well, because it highlighted the good that can come about in some of the lives affected by the minimum wage hike. Um, So that is a more somber edition of what Curtis read this week. That is a great example of the systemic layers of injustice, which is a good reminder. If you did not listen to the Neighboring Injustice episode a couple back, we talk about how um, we hope those things are a part of the culture of Pomona Valley Church. And also, though we don't have the chance to dive into what I'm about to say, it strikes me as a story that highlights how discipleship, following Jesus, is going to have political implications. The statement, Jesus is Lord, is fundamentally political. Because if Jesus is Lord, then that means Caesar is not Lord. We're currently very used to the idea that political means contentious or divisive. But we are committed to the difficult, perhaps even tense at times, journey of talking and thinking about what we should do about the things that are so far outside of reflecting the reality that Jesus is Lord. And that does, in some ways, bring us to this final value, because what we want to dive into can feel difficult and clunky. And some of these subjects have been divisive and are divisive. And so we are going to try our best in a brief but hopefully nuanced way to share more about our value of diversity. In some ways, this value can be stated pretty simply. We seek to be a community of different ages socioeconomic backgrounds, races, cultures, orientations, genders, and not just to have these differences present in the community, but to actively listen to one another, learn from one another, and enrich one another's lives. When I was an undergrad, I majored in Spanish language and literature. Part of that degree included fundamentally relearning United States history from the perspective of Chicano and Latinx people. And it wasn't just adding their stories to the white narratives that I had already inherited from my education thus far. It was questioning the white narrative and integrating my understanding of what I had just learned into my overall perspective on the world in order to account for the truth of those new stories. It gives a more holistic understanding of something. Not that one narrative or the other has a monopoly of what's true, but they're each enriching our understanding. Exactly. 
A couple years ago, I spent a little bit of time in Israel-Palestine, and one of the many things that that time gifted me was just an importance of understanding dual narrative, that if you and I have vastly different experiences of the same reality, we're going to have to do the work of understanding the story from the perspective of the other. So we are committed to Pomona Valley Church actively encouraging the expression of the different perspectives within our community. As just one example, we have some ideas of the various elements we hope to include in our weekly gatherings, sharing stories of God at work, uh, a short sermon, short, short, a time to respond together in some experiential way. And if we designed just the perfect service, but all of those elements were hosted by people who were all men or, or all white or all in their 30s, um, then we would have failed along the way. If one of our goals is to know Jesus and follow Jesus more deeply, it only stands to reason that we're going to be helped along the path by hearing from one another's perspectives, especially those that are different than ours. It's through diversity that we better get to know the God we worship together. We have been in churches that are multi-ethnic. That is, there's a significant portion of the church that is not white. But although the church is multi-ethnic, we would say that it was still relatively monocultural. That is, the people of color could not expect to see their unique cultural experiences reflected in the gathering to worship in in any way. Their stories were not told. Their songs were not sung. Examples from the sermon didn't sound like their lives. There is a fascinating and important conversation happening right now about what it means to decenter whiteness in the American church. And the reality is that it is going to take time for all of us to relearn how to be a church together in a different way. We aren't totally sure what it means to say that we are committed to being multicultural in that sense, because to a great degree, it's going to mean getting to the community, listening to the perspectives and cultures around us, and finding out what it means for all of our cultures to be expressed in our church. In a really practical sense, people have asked us about the timeline for launching Pomona Valley Church. And one of the reasons we don't know is that, last we checked, Curtis and I are both white, straight, cisgendered pastors. And if we want to be a church that doesn't just look like us, we're going to need some time back in Southern California to reconnect with pastors and Christians who would like to help create this kind of church community with us. I was at a pastor's conference uh, a couple years ago, and a um, black nonprofit leader named David Bailey Well, he said a whole lot of really good stuff, but what's relevant for us right here is that he was pushing on the importance of not only congregational diversity or even staff diversity, but church board or elder diversity. And I remember being really convicted thinking, oh, one of the first things I do when I'm looking at a church is get online, find their elders, and look at the gender breakdown. I I know, for example, that my church at the time had a 50-50 split of men and women right then, but I couldn't have begun to tell you what the racial makeup was of that board. And it opened my eyes to something that I had been blind to, but that really matters, that's really important for a church. And again, we can't say really with great detail what this might mean in practice beyond that we intend to do a lot of listening as Pomona Valley Church forms and throughout its existence. But how about something that we can talk to with a little more specificity? Mayor, are women going to preach at this church? Yes. Oh, but but like once a year, right? Mother's Day. Great. So here's the deal. Women are going to lead in this church. Women are going to teach in this church. 
There are not going to be limits placed upon women as to what roles they can have within this church. And we are not going to debate whether or not we belong in any particular part of church life. We fully expect that there will be places where gender bias is revealed because white evangelical churches, really churches in general, Mm -hmm. have been overwhelmingly patriarchal in the last several decades, centuries, millennia. And we hope that as those biases are revealed, that we will speak truthfully to one another, that we'll be reconciled to one another, and that we'll be able to move forward together. So just to be clear, I'm Curtis. And I am the lead pastor of Pomona Valley Church. And I'm Meredith, and I am the lead pastor of Pomona Valley Church. Curtis and I are each good at different things, but we each love to teach and we love to lead, though we have different styles of doing each of those things. We have a lot of experience working together, and we have natural interests and passions that will help us divide the various elements of church life between ourselves. And of course, we expect a community of people to really be building the church together. Yes, it's not going to be a two-person show. Not at all. This question of gender is answered for us. It's not going to be up for debate within this community. I had a sense of wanting to be a pastor when I was quite young. And so I moved through my adolescence and my college years knowing that was something I wanted to include and having to navigate quite a bit the various camps that believe that that is not appropriate or biblically allowed. I went to Fuller Seminary for my Master of Divinity, and it was the first school I was a part of that had thoroughly landed that it would support women in leadership and in ministry and had been practicing how they did that for quite a long time. So part of what that meant is that every now and again, a male colleague would raise the question in a class as if we should just check in on whether or not this is really biblical. What I appreciated was that every time the faculty member would kindly but clearly indicate to that colleague that this was not something we were still discussing in an ongoing manner or that we were still debating. It didn't mean that we couldn't talk about the topic. It just meant that they protected the female colleagues in the room by making sure that their presence there wasn't suddenly something we could question or doubt. They made sure we felt safe and that they knew that we belonged. And I appreciated it tremendously. We believe that every individual has gifts and talents to offer to the community and that we are responsible to one another for those talents to actually make it so that they can be offered to the community for the good of the world. That belief leads us into the final community we wish to address specifically with this episode, LGBTQ. So it bears repeating, we believe that every individual has gifts and talents to offer the community and that we're responsible to one another for those talents to be offered to the community for the good of the world. And we believe this on behalf of our LGBTQ siblings. We want to fully include LGBTQ people in the life of Pomona Valley Church. We want everyone who wants to explore following Jesus to be able to do so here. And we think that there is so much we can learn from one another. We believe there need to be more churches that are most of all committed to following Jesus, where LGBTQ people can be included in that journey. We talked about this in our first episode, that sometimes a member of that community has to choose between a congregation that accepts them, but is not uniquely seeking to follow the way of Jesus, or a congregation that is indeed devoted to Jesus, but somehow does not value them as an equal member of that church. 
And this doesn't even dive into the many churches where LGBTQ people are unsafe or the degree to which the church is complicit in violence against people from this community. We think there need to be more inclusive, Jesus-centered churches, not only for LGBTQ people themselves, but also for the many people who want to be in a church community that includes and accepts their gay friends, neighbors, or family members. In several ways, this issue is becoming a real obstacle to the gospel advancing in more progressive areas of the country especially, and we are pro-gospel advancing. Official position of Pomoda Valley Church, gospel, good. To help be as clear as we can about what we mean by fully inclusive, we borrowed the language from another church that we thought captured it well. Or I thought it was well said, and so I just decided to steal it and use it as our own. Originality is overrated. We welcome all persons and families, including LGBTQ+, to participate at all levels of community, serving in ministry, joining as members, holding staff and leadership roles, and we offer full pastoral care to all in our congregation without regard for ability, race, sex, gender identity, or sexual orientation, including but not limited to spiritual counsel, prayer, baptism, weddings, funerals, and visitation during illness. I'm actually going to read that whole thing a second time because I know that as a listener, it can be a little bit tricky to catch a full sentence like this. We welcome all persons and families, including LGBTQ+, to participate at all levels of community, serving in ministry, joining as members, holding staff and leadership roles, and we offer full pastoral care to all in our congregation without regard for ability, race, sex, gender identity, or sexual orientation, including but not limited to spiritual counsel, prayer, baptism, weddings, funerals, and visitation during illness. Now, a lot of churches have statements like this to help clarify what they mean by inclusion. We really liked this one, which comes from a covenant church in Minneapolis, and we're grateful for their language. So, in the same way that we said about women in leadership, we would repeat on this issue as well. This question is already answered for this particular church. So, if you're part of the LGBTQ community and looking for a church home, we would be honored to have you, and we won't be changing on this. That much is settled for Pomona Valley Church. But one other thing we also want to say is that we want there to be room for different people to arrive at that place in different ways. Even people who agree that they want to fully include LGBTQ Christians might have different perspectives on how to interpret the relevant passage of scripture or have different reasoning for how they arrived at that position. We don't want Pomona Valley Church to be one of those churches where everybody has to agree on everything all the time or else you get shunned. And this is one of those topics that it's complicated enough that you might get to full inclusion in a number of different ways. To that end, we're going to include a variety of resources in the show notes, Uh, books, articles, videos, and all of them have slightly different ways of arriving at full inclusion in the church for LGBTQ Christians, including how to interpret what the Bible does or doesn't say on the issue. And if you're interested in exploring this issue further, we would encourage you to check those out. And we would not personally agree with everything said in all of them. I don't think that would be possible. (laughs) But again, that's the point. We don't all have to agree on every facet of this issue in order to love and honor and include one another. Also, we think that on this topic, really any controversial issue, it's best tackled in relationship. Putting statements online, throwing sound bites around, it often does a lot more harm than good. 
So if you want to talk more about how Pomona Valley Church is pursuing full inclusion, if you have questions, we'd love to do that face-to-face, over coffee, over lunch, on Zoom if we are not in the same time zone right now. We talked last time about how relationships are one of the values we want to uphold together in this church. We think this is one of the ways that's going to happen, valuing each other enough to take the time to discuss hard things face-to-face in kind and respectful dialogue. And that's where we're going to wrap things up for this episode. The, the show notes will include links to various resources. And if you have any questions or thoughts, you can reach us at PomonaValleyChurch at gmail.com. We'll be back next time with an episode devoted to the practical realities of getting the church launched. And as always, we appreciate you rating, reviewing, and sharing the podcast with others. So until then, we love you all. Bye. Bye. Bye.